Good morning, good morning. It's so good to see all of you guys here. We're so glad you're here, whether you're here with us in person or joining us online. Uh, we're glad you're here. My name is Stacy McLean. My husband Chris and I have been calling Crosstown home for almost 18 years now, and we are just thrilled to be with you. Hey, listen, I know that you guys think that the big game is coming up in a couple of weeks. Isn't the Super Bowl or something coming up in a couple of weeks? I know you're excited about it, but what I want to tell you is that the game of all games of the century happened right here yesterday. Let's give it up for CSM Games and our student pastor, Brian Brigman. Come on up, Brian. Oh, yeah. It, oh, my goodness. It was an amazing time. I heard. It was a blast. We had tons of students come out for it. It was so amazing. CSM Games, if you don't know what it is, it's, uh, it's something that we created that was intended to give students the opportunity or encourage them to invite students who may have never stepped foot in a church before, just to come out, be comfortable in that, and then get another foot closer to us sharing the love of Christ with them, inviting them go. to our youth group after that, and getting them one step closer and closer and closer. So the games, but don't be fooled by that, though. It was intense. The competition was so intense. I mean, there were things being said all, all in kindness. Said, I'm just saying. All in kindness. <laughs> all in kindness. But it was it was so intense. But I just wanted to introduce our uh, team captains to everybody. Right here, we got Let's our team captains coming up. Let's give it up for our team up. captains. See some games. Is captained by three captains, three teams duke it out against each other in a series of games that earn them points. And these are our captains, and these are the colors that they represent. And uh, the past two games that we had were led by Team Crash. They took it both games two times in a row, and everybody was determined. Every student was determined. They're going down this time. And sure enough, Team Strike took this CSM game. Yeah, go so, Strike! Yellow champions today. So we're super excited, though. We have our summer games happening. We'll let you guys know when the dates are. But if you know any students, this is something that any middle school through high school, they can come participate and be a part of it and just get to know kids in our youth group. And then they get to invite them to the youth group. And so any kids who are wary about coming and setting foot in a church, this is the way to get them in there. So yeah. Awesome. We're excited for it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, so much. All right, let's give it up for all of our youth leaders. I am, woohoo! I'm so glad God didn't call me to youth ministry. And I will tell you, I have two kids that are in the youth group. And can you believe Brian put them on separate teams? Y'all, that makes for. It's all right. One won, one loss. We won't talk about it, but we celebrated either way in our house last night. So it was a good night. You know, this past week, we were coming off of our seven days of prayer, and so, so many of you guys joined us here uh, early in the mornings on the weekdays and then also online, and we just wanted to remind you that if you send in a prayer request, we know God is hearing those. We prayed over those prayer requests all week long, and we're going to continue praying over those. We have prayer teams that meet here during the week a couple of times, and we've got those requests. We're going to keep praying over them, and we want to encourage you, if you as you get up dates on those prayer requests, if you'll just send those in, you can go to our app and you can send them in through our app or you can email us. But we want to know what God is doing because we know he's already seen a victory in those situations. We learned this week through our devotions and prayer that we can be confident of what God is doing in all of those situations. So we encourage you, continue sending in your prayer requests and those updates so we can keep up with those. 
Well, last week, Pastor Paul started our new series, The Real Stimulus Package, and we're going to continue with that today. So when we think about this idea of the stimulus package, you know, most of us as Americans are either thinking about or talking about the stimulus package that just rolled out. And so a lot of us have gotten our checks. And the whole point of the stimulus package that the government has done is they're going to give us this money so that we can put it back into the economy and buy things and stimulate the growth of the economy to prevent us from going into a recession. You know, and last week he taught us that that's really not too far from a biblical truth, is it? That we, as God's creation, are called to stimulate growth around us. That we should be full of the love of God and the mercy of God and the kindness of God and the hope of God. And that we should give that to those around us. And like he said, he loves when science can always be tied into a biblical truth. That's because God's the great scientist, right? Have you ever thought about that? Isn't that so amazing? Like, He's the greatest artist. He's the great, greatest scientist. He's the greatest mathematician. It's just fascinating when you think about it. But so Pastor Paul talked to us last week about the idea of being clouds. And what are our rain clouds releasing? That we are clouds and we can be full of something. He left us with a couple of questions last week. So he asked us two questions last week. The first one was, are we just rain clouds passing over the earth? Are you just a rain cloud passing over? Because not all clouds produce rain. And then he also asked us, what is your cloud dumping on the ground below you? And I don't know about you, but if you thought about those questions last week, you might not have liked the answers that you got to those questions. When I started thinking about it, it made me think of another question. Why don't all clouds produce rain? If every cloud has moisture in it, why do some rain and some don't? And so I went back way back to my um, days of being a third grade science teacher, and I remembered that whole water cycle thing and the idea that all clouds are full of moisture, but the only clouds that produce rain that comes down to earth that we see is when the moisture in the cloud is so heavy that it has to bend to the weight of gravity and it falls back to the earth. And I thought that was a pretty interesting concept. We're going to look at that in depth in a few minutes um, a little bit more. But just kind of think about that, that if maybe if you're rain cloud, if you realize that you were a cloud just passing over and you weren't actually producing rain, that maybe it's because there needs to be a little bit more weight there. And then the other thing is, you know, what if you realize that what you were producing was toxic? What if you realize that you were pouring out some toxic rain? I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I was up every morning this week early because I had to be here. I, I got the privilege of being here for prayer. And um, I was, you know, by, by the, listen, I'm just being honest. No, it was good. It was good. But by the end of the week, there might have been a little toxicness coming out of my rain cloud as I was interacting with my family members because I was tired and I was fatigued. And, I, you know, but I was thinking about what can contaminate our clouds. What is it that can contaminate us? And honestly, there was one big thing Pastor Paul and I kind of brainstormed in his office and we were talking about. And the one thing that I think more than anything else that can contaminate our rain cloud is unforgiveness. I know it's not a word we really want to talk about. And honestly, if you've been in church for any period of time, then you're like, eh, you're going to tune me out, you know, because I know I'm supposed to forgive. It says I have to forgive because I've been forgiven. But I want us to just pause for a second and think about this. Right before, um, during first service, I was sitting on the front row in that last song. I took my mask off too early because I had to situate the microphone and, you know, whatever, all that stuff. And I realized that I took my mask off too early and I was going to have to sit there 
It was only about 30 seconds, but it felt like forever. As soon as I took it off and realized I took it off too soon, I felt completely exposed. It was weird because I'm so used to wearing it. And my, you know what my immediate reaction was? Put my head down and turn away and look at the wall because I didn't want anyone to see me. I felt totally exposed. And what the Lord revealed to me in that quick little moment was that's exactly how some of us are going to feel today when we talk about this. So your initial reaction when we talk about unforgiveness and what forgiveness looks like, your initial reaction may be to put your head down, maybe not physically, but mentally you may just want to put your head down. You may want to hide from this. And I just want to encourage you, just pause for a second and ask God to give you a heart that is receptive to his healing power, to his authority. We just sang that song that he has given us authority in Christ. And so I just want you to pause for a minute and really allow the power of God to fall on us as we go through this idea of unforgiveness. Because I think it's the one area that can get us in trouble the most because I think it's real. And the enemy will, will capitalize on that. A lot of us have had things that have happened to us that have caused deep pain in our lives. We have suffered tremendous wrongs in our lives. And so the enemy wants to capitalize on that and turn that into unforgiveness and, as we'll soon learn, into bitterness. And so I think for some of us, we have been wrong to a point where we are justified in our anger. Something has happened to you in your life. Someone has done something to you. They've betrayed you. They have abandoned you. They have neglected you. They've lied to you. They've disappointed you over and over again. And you are justified in your anger. And I think what happens, though, according to Scripture, it says, be angry and do not sin. What does that look like? What does that mean to be angry and not to sin? Have you ever been so enraged and so angry that you know in your mind, I mean, I'm just going to tell on myself, there have been times that I have been so angry, and as I am yelling at my loved one, whether it's my husband or my child or whoever it is, and I hear myself like, stop, what are you doing? That's when my anger can turn into sin. What happens is, have you ever watched um, a pot boil? I know you're not supposed to watch a pot boil, but, you know, if you've ever stood in front of a stove and watched, when it starts bubbling up, that's what anger does with us. It begins to fester and fester and fester, steadily festering over time until it develops into this eruption that can hurt so many and damage so many people around us. And that's what it means when Scripture says, be angry and do not sin. It means don't go through that process. Don't let your unforgiveness lead to bitterness. Don't let your unforgiveness lead to bitterness because unforgiveness always leads to bitterness. If you've got bitterness in your heart, if you feel bitter at all towards a person, towards a situation, towards God, towards our government, towards anything at all, it probably can be traced back to some unforgiveness. And hopefully today, we're going to learn how to have some freedom in that area in our life. Scripture also tells us in Hebrews not to allow a root of bitterness to spring up and cause trouble because it can defile many. You know, and I've said that verse so many times. I've read that verse. It's highlighted. It's underlined in my Bible. But it wasn't until this week when I was thinking about it that I know if I hold on to unforgiveness, 
forgiveness or if I hold on to bitterness, it's going to take root in my heart. Just like we talked about a few minutes ago when we are thinking about this, we're feeling exposed and we immediately want to put our head down. We want to put it in the dark. That's where roots grow best is in dark. And today God's asking us to expose those roots to the light of his love, to the light of his mercy, because what happens, we don't intend this to happen. But when we have unforgiveness in our heart and it leads to bitterness, it's going to defile people around us. Now, defile is not a word I commonly use. I don't know about you, but in my everyday conversation, I don't talk about defiling. I think I only use that word when I quote the scripture. And so I was talking to my husband last night. I was like, I wonder what that word defile means. Let me look it up in the Greek and see. You know what it means? Contaminate. It means to contaminate. So, you know, if you're a a grown woman and you're raising your children but yet you've never forgiven your father for the pain and the wrong that he inflicted on you. I know your heart's desire is not to contaminate your children, but the reality is what scripture says is if we hold on to that bitterness towards our dad who wronged us 25, 30 years ago, that it's going to defile, it's going to contaminate the relationship that my children have. That's not our desire, but that's what's going to happen. Maybe your spouse left you. And you don't want to contaminate or defile your children and not giving them forgiveness because it's wrong. What they did was wrong. But if you don't move into forgiveness in that relationship, it's going to defile. It's going to contaminate the way that your children think about marriage, the way your children see you, the way your children see their father or their mother. Or maybe, you know, it's at work. I mean, that. Your boss, he just never, ever appreciates all the work that you do. He never sees all the hard work you put in. And so you go in the office and you're talking to your coworkers. You're contaminating their thoughts. You're contaminating their perceptions. And what God's calling us to do is to not do that. He is telling us, rip that root of bitterness out. And so today we're going to look at how to do that. Because I think the Apostle Paul gives us a really simple, beautiful direction and how to do that. I mean, he lays it out. It's pretty simple, but sometimes the simple things are the hardest things to accomplish, aren't they? (laughs) I mean, sometimes in cooking, I've tried to cook and I'm not really good at it. Anyone who knows me knows that if it doesn't come in a box with seven steps of recipes and all the ingredients, I can't do it. Sometimes those simple things, though, become the hardest things to do. And so the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to a a church, to a group of believers. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, you can follow along. All of these notes are also in our app, so you can download our app and um, look at today's message, and all these notes are there. But I'm going to be in Ephesians 4. The Apostle Paul is writing to a group of people who have committed their life to God. So he is writing to the church. And so if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to hear this. I want you to see this. But you may not fully understand this, but I hope that you hear the invitation of God to be a part of this. Listen as I read this. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 31. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Hold on to that phrase, be put away from you. It's, it's real important. We'll come back to it. Along with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. 
This is exactly how we can walk through getting rid of bitterness and unforgiveness in our life. It's straight from the beginning of it. The Apostle Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. This passage is telling us that we cannot do this on our own. We cannot move through these steps apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to partner with God to accomplish Un, to accomplish giving out forgiveness to those around us. So let me say it to you this way. We must appreciate the mercy of God to appropriate his forgiveness. We must appreciate the mercy of God to appropriate his forgiveness. Okay, think of it this way. So my husband and I had the opportunity to have a little staycation around Christmas time, and we are foodies. We love to go out and eat. If you know us, you know, Laurel, you know, we love some food, right? And we love some, Laurel's an amazing cook, by the way, so you should maybe hang out with her and get invited to her house. Don't you like how I invite everyone to your house to eat? Um, so anyway, we love going out and we love eating. We were trying this new restaurant a couple of weeks ago, and it's called Bistronomy by Nico's. And I don't know, I wasn't like overly impressed with it when I looked at it, but I was like, all right, we'll give it a shot. So we go, and it's kind of crowded. It's a small little place, and we're just ordering, and we're sitting there. And the waitress kind of almost in passing, my husband ordered mussels, I think, and she was like, ooh, you need to order the um, French baguette to go with that. And I was like, I've never found bread I don't love, so why don't we give it a shot? You guys, let me just tell you, this French baguette is the best bread I have ever. It is the bread of life. I mean, I really think when Jesus was saying bread of life, he is talking about this baguette. It was warm, and it, had, it was slit open, and it had just all this ooey-gooey butter and all this garlic and chives. And then you would rip it apart, and you would dip it in the sauce with the mussels. I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. But I could not appreciate that or tell you about it until I actually ate it myself. I had to eat that baguette because honestly, when she was telling me about it, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's a French baguette. I mean, I love bread, but, but I had to eat it. And now, if you've talked to me since I've been there, it's all I've talked about is you guys have to go to Bistronomy and order the baguette. So now you're all, for the rest of this message, all you're going to be thinking about is going to eat a baguette. Thank you. You will be eating bread for lunch today, I know. Just think of it. It's the bread of life, though. Don't worry. Uh, but it really is. That's what it means. We have to appreciate the mercy of God. When we really get that, then we can give that. We can appropriate his forgiveness to those around us. You know, the passage goes on to tell us that we are to forgive each other as God has forgiven us in Christ Jesus. Because we can't do this on our own. And so I also want us to understand today, forgiveness is not forgetting. See, I think sometimes we, we kind of push these ideas together and we hear forgiveness, which means forgive and forget. That's not what this is. God did not just forgive my sins. Yes, Scripture says that he removes them as far as the east is from the west, that he blots them out, that they're as white as snow. But you know what? It was the blood of Jesus that was shed for my sins, for the wrongs that I have committed. So forgiving is not just forgetting. It's not. Forgive and forget is not going to work. I mean, it might work if, like, the other day my husband parked behind me and it was early in the morning and I had to move his huge truck and thought I was going to hit something. And he's like, I'm sorry. And I was like, oh, no problem. I forgive you. You know, that's a forgive and forget situation. But a lot of us, it's not that. We have some deep 
hurts that have happened in our life. And so we're not talking about forgiving is just forgetting it. Because the reality is, God didn't just forget our sin. He paid a very high price for our sin. He sent his only son, Jesus, to be murdered on a cross. His blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of my wrong, for the forgiveness of your wrong. And so again, we may feel justified in being angry with this person who has wronged us, but when we think about forgiveness, I want you to think about forgiveness in this way. To forgive, therefore, means to essentially remove the guilt resulting from the wrongdoing. So there is a wrong that has happened, and there are consequences to that. So please hear me this morning. If you have been victimized by someone, I am not telling you to forgive that person and get back in a relationship with them. There are some relationships in our life that we need to cut off. If you are in an abusive relationship, I'm not telling you to forgive your abuser and stay in that relationship. But what I am asking you to do, what God is asking us to do, is to remove the guilt. Not the wrong, but the guilt. Because Jesus Christ paid for the guilt. His blood was poured out. It was shed for that. And so Romans tells us that all have fallen short. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So there is a price for the wrong that was committed to you. There was a price for the wrong that has happened, but Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin, bore sin, became sin on our behalf, and paid that price. And so what we're doing is we're not saying that it's okay. No, we're recognizing that it is not okay. And we're saying we want to partner with God in this. We appreciate the mercy God has given us. You know, He tells us in Revelation that one day he's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to make all things new. That's what his word promises to us. That's the truth. That's our reality. That is true. Whether you believe it or not doesn't matter. It's what his word says, and it's the only truth that will never change. He will wipe away every single tear that you have ever cried, every hurt, every heartache, every wrong that has happened to you, or every wrong that maybe you have committed. He and you've cried over. He will wipe that away. He will make it new one day. But you're sitting there thinking, I don't feel like anything new has happened. I don't feel like anything has changed. Guess what? Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not just a feeling. Forgiveness is so much more. Forgiveness is an active choice that we make. See, some of us don't want to forgive because we think, well, I just don't feel like forgiving. I'm just saying there have been times in our marriage over the last 20 years where Chris may have made me mad or done something wrong, and he said, hey, will you forgive me? And I'll be honest, I look at him, you know what? I don't really feel like forgiving you right now, but I forgive you, and my feelings will just have to catch up. Can you not talk to me until my feelings catch up, though, because, you know, it just takes some time. But forgiveness is not a feeling. So if you are waiting to forgive that person when you feel like forgiving that person, it's never going to happen. It's so much more than a feeling. It is an act of choice. See, 
in Christ, we have been forgiven. That's what scripture tells us. That what, that's what the apostle Paul was telling him. That's what he was telling this church, that in Christ, we have been forgiven. And we must choose to imitate God, choose to imitate Christ, and allow his forgiveness to flow through us. You do not need to muster up the feeling, but you need to bend your knee to the one who can do it. You know, have you ever read that scripture that says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to be cast into the sea and it'll go into the sea. I mean, who does not want to be able to just be like, I got this much faith and it has the power to cast a mountain into the sea. You know what I think? Some of us have mountains of unforgiveness in front of us. And if you will have faith to believe, to trust that God is in control and God is going to make all things right, then you can say, in faith, God, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it in my heart, even when I don't understand it, even when the pain is so bad and so intense that every morning when I open my eyes, the first thing I feel is pain. If you will believe and you will have faith in God, that he has forgiven every wrong, and you say to him, I have that faith, I want that mountain of unforgiveness cast into the sea. I promise you, he will be faithful to do it. He has done it in my life. He will do it in your life. He is faithful to do that. So remember, forgiveness is not something we muster up on our own. Forgiveness is not something we do on our own. Forgiveness flows through us. We have been forgiven, therefore we are to forgive. Forgiveness is a big deal. God wants us to be in the business of forgiving because he's in the business of forgiving. Um, You know, we are called to release that forgiveness in the same way that we have received that forgiveness. You know, we talked about why some rain clouds don't release their rain because they don't get heavy enough. The moisture needs to be heavy enough to succumb to the weight of gravity and fall back to the knees. Some of us, um, fall back to the ground. (laughs) Some of us need to be heavy enough with the weight the love, the mercy of God to recognize his greatness, to recognize that we have all sinned, we have all fallen short, and we need to be so overwhelmed with God's love for us, with God's forgiveness for us, that it causes us to drop on our knees and surrender to him and say, God, you do this. You flow through me. Your power, the Holy Spirit that you have given me, let that flow through me, and then you release that to those around you. Because the truth is, God has authored, established, and paid for the forgiveness. Forgiveness is not something that we created as humans. We didn't decide that we wanted to do this. God authored it, God established it, and God paid for it. Back to what the Apostle Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Do you know this is the only place in the New Testament I could find where it told us to be an imitator of God? There are times that Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And there are several times where we're told to imitate Christ. But this says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. We are to be imitators of God because we are his beloved children. He knows what has happened to you. He knows what you have done. And he still chooses to call you beloved. He still says, you are beloved of God. You are the object of my love. And so we're told that we are to walk in that love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Do you know how sweet forgiveness smells? Have you ever been forgiven? Have you ever done something wrong and someone has forgiven you for it? Isn't that a sweet smell? That is what we're called to do, is to produce that aroma, that fragrance. So in the same way that 
God has forgiven us, we need to let the moisture in our clouds be so infused, so heavy with the weight, the love, and the mercy of God that we begin releasing our rain. And it's a rain without contamination because when you begin to forgive, that root of bitterness gets ripped up and it's not contaminating anymore. You're pouring down rain on the dry and the weary around you. But you're thinking, yeah, that sounds simple, but so hard to do. And you're right, because the truth is forgiveness is costly. There is a high price to forgiveness. But remember, God paid that price through his son, Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is costly. It is going to cost you to surrender your will. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, please let this cup pass before me, but not my will, your will be done. We all have to get to a point where we're willing to pay. The cost is great, but God has paid the cost on our behalf. So our, what it looks like for us is bending our knee in submission. It's humbling ourselves before him in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the agony, in the middle of the unknown. I don't know. I would love to sit here today and tell you that, yes, your situation is going to work out the way you want it to work out, but I don't know. But I do know, no matter what, in the middle of it, God is with you. He's not leaving you. He's never going to forsake you. And he has given you the power and the authority to usher in forgiveness to those who have wronged you. But you have to cooperate with him. You have to recognize there is a cost. And that cost is surrendering to him. And when we surrender to God and we release those people who have wronged us back to him, he has all control, all power, and all authority, and he will make all things right. And so what we're going to work on doing is receiving the forgiveness of God and letting the moisture in our clouds become so heavy that it has no other choice than to drop back to the ground around us and begin to water that dreary and wa- dreary, weary, dry land. I mean, think about it. Think about what the landscape of our country looks like right now. It's been a week, hasn't it? <laughs> It's been a week. It's been a year of a lot of just festering unforgiveness and pointing fingers and blame. What if every single child of God began to walk in forgiveness for the wrongs that had happened to them? Don't you think there would be enough rainwater to change the landscape of not only America, but the entire world? If just each one of us began walking in that, that's what God's calling us to do today. And sometimes you're going to have to go back to him every time and ask him, God, I I ask, I receive your forgiveness. I want to give your forgiveness. You may have to pray to him 10, 12 times a day to ask him to help you through this process. He hears you. He wants to walk with you through this process. Maybe you're sitting in here today and you are a teenager and you are so full of anger and you don't even know why you're angry. You don't even know where the unforgiveness is in your heart, but you just know that you're angry. Take it to God. He will reveal it to you. When I was preparing all of this this week, I began asking him, God, who is it that I haven't forgiven? Where are there areas of my life that I need to offer up forgiveness? He brought it to my mind. It's a person I've never even met, never even talked to, but it was this leader in the Christian faith and in our community. They had done something that was just terrible, and I was so angry at this person and harboring unforgiveness, and God revealed it to me, and I began, this person's not even living anymore. And I began forgiving that person. And then I saw how the aroma of the fragrance of God began flowing through my life. Because what was happening is I was angry at this person, but I was taking it out on my husband. 
It was contaminating my relationship with him because I was angry at this man I'd never even met. And as soon as I began to just forgive, the contamination went away. And that's what God's calling us to do today. Jesus was all about forgiveness. It was his mission. One of the last things he said was, Father, forgive them. When he was on the cross, one of the last things Jesus said was, Father, forgive them. So I want to end today by reading you this story out of the Gospel of Luke. And it is a beautiful picture of what forgiveness looks like. And honestly, I could preach a whole sermon just on this, and it has been. But I just want you to listen to the language of the the posture of this woman's heart in this story. So basically, um, there was a Pharisee who invited Jesus over for dinner, and the Pharisees at the time were the religious leaders. They were like the guys that everybody wanted to be like, right? They were were the guys. And um, when they would invite a rabbi, Jesus was a traveling rabbi, When when Jesus got invited to the Pharisee's house, a lot of people would come. It was very common that everybody in the neighborhood would basically show up at this guy's house. And so the Pharisee says, Jesus, come on over and have dinner. Well, listen to what happens in the story. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, see how she's identified? She was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment, very costly. Everything she probably had, all of her money right there, she brought this ointment. And standing behind him, standing behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with tears and wipe them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus replies and says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. That is what Christ is declaring over us today. He is declaring over us today that our sins are forgiven. Your sins, the wrongs that you have committed are forgiven. The wrongs that have been committed to you are forgiven in the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, we are going to ask God to flow through us, to pour out that forgiveness. Remember, it's not a feeling we're trying to conjure up. So as we move into this time of expressions, I just want you to open your heart. Just ask God to speak to you. Sit there for a minute and just ask God. God, reveal to me areas of my heart that are so hurt, that have been covered for so many years. Allow God to bring those up. Allow God, the light of his love, to shine on those areas. Ask God to begin moving in and through you. So maybe during this time of expression, you want to come over and you want to nail it to the cross. Maybe it's the name of that person that you have been harboring unforgiveness towards. Put their name at the cross. Give them back to Jesus. Release them back to him. He has all authority and power. Maybe for you, you are so bound to that person in unforgiveness, you just don't know how to let go of it. Maybe you need to go back and pray with our elders at the back. Or maybe today, be reminded of the mercy and forgiveness of God that has been given to us. Maybe for you today, you want to come up and partake in communion, the body and blood of Christ. Do this in remembrance of him, Jesus Christ, the one who's authored the forgiveness.
God, we thank you so much that you are a God of mercy. We thank you that your mercy is new every morning. We thank you that you pour it out on us like fresh rain watering the spring crops. Father, we ask right now that you will fill our hearts and our minds with your love, your mercy, your compassion. Flow through us today through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we open up our hearts to you. We sit exposed before you knowing that we are in a safe place because we are in the arms of our loving Father. So, Father, speak to us today and give us the courage to respond and forgive. In Jesus' name, amen.